0: Broadcasting from deep in the recesses of the Pine Barrens in Burlington County, New Jersey, this is Burlington County Bluegrass. I am your host, famous radio personality, Mark Bluegrass Plant. The early tradition on Burlington County Bluegrass is to present Mark Twain's Words and Music, starring Clint Eastwood as Mark Twain, Jimmy Buffett, the Church Sisters, Cheryl Crow, Garrison Keeler, Doyle Lawson, Ricky Skaggs, Rhonda Vincent and much, much more. Listen now, Mark Twain's words and music. You don't know about me
1: without you have read a book by the name of the Adventures of Tom Sawyer, but that ain't no matter. That book was made by mister Mark Twain and he told the truth mainly. There was things which he stretched, but mainly he told the truth.
2: Samuel Langhorne Clemens was the sixth of seven children born to John and Jane Clemens. His mother would tell him later that he came into the world with the arrival of Halley's Comet, a cosmic event that occurred every 75 years. And so she predicted greatness for her premature and sickly infant son, whose survival in those challenging times was not typical.
3: I was born the 30th of November, 1835, in the almost invisible village of Florida, Monroe County, Missouri. The village contained 100 people, and I increased the population by 1%. It is more than many of the best men in history could have done for a town. It may not be modest in me to refer to this, but it is true. There is no record of a person doing as much, not even Shakespeare, but I did it for Florida. And it shows, and I could have done it for any place, even London, I suppose.
4: It's not every night a comet comes around It was almost any year since its last time through So I bet your mother would have said amen too As his tail stretched out like a star. tree sound. In 1986, that wish came round. It came from the east just as bright as a torch. She saw it in the sky from her daddy's porch. As heavenly sent as it was back then. When Hallie came to Jackson in 19.
2: Sam was almost four years old. His folks, who just couldn't make a go of it in Florida, Missouri, moved the family a short distance to a village nestled on the west bank of the Mississippi River, Hannibal, Missouri.
1: Well, when Tom and me got to the edge of the hilltop, we looked away down into the village and could see three or four lights twinkling, where there were sick folks, maybe, and the stars over us were sparkling ever so fine. And down by the village was the river, a whole mile broad and awful still and grand. We went down the hill and found Joe Harper and Ben Rogers and two or three more of the boys in the old tenure. So we unhitched the skiff and pulled down the river two mile and a half to the big scar on the hillside and went ashore.
2: His father was the justice of the peace, attempted several business endeavors, yet the family continued to experience financial hardship. This didn't seem to hamper young Sam who found mischief and excitement in his surroundings, the cave, the steamboats, the wide, muddy river, uninhabited islands, the woods on Holiday's Hill. Hannibal offered plenty of playground for its children, rich or poor, and would later become the setting for Sam's most beloved books. In the small town of Hannibal, Missouri, when I was a boy,
3: everybody was poor but didn't know it and everybody was comfortable
1: and did know it. Well, the woman fell to talking about how hard times was and how poor they had to live and how the rats was as free as if they owned the place, and so forth and so on. She was right about the rats.
3: Once a day, a cheap, gaudy packet arrived upward from St. Louis and another downward from Keokuk. Before these events, the day was glorious with expectancy. After them, the day was a dead and empty thing. Not only the boys, but the whole village felt this. After all these years, I can picture that old time to myself now, <laughs> just as it was then. The white town drowsing in the sunshine of a summer's morning. The streets empty, or pretty nearly so. One or two clerks sitting in front of the Water Street stores with their splint-bottomed chairs tilted back against the wall. Chins on breasts, hats slouched over their faces, asleep with shingle shavings enough around to show what broke them down. A sow and a litter of pigs loafing along the sidewalk, doing a good business in watermelon rinds and seeds. Two or three lonely little freight piles scattered about the levee. A pile of skids on the slope of the stone-paved wharf and the fragrant town drunkard asleep in the shadow of them. Two or three wood flats at the head of the wharf, but nobody listened to the peaceful lapping of the wavelets against them. The great Mississippi. The majestic, the magnificent Mississippi, rolling its mile-wide tide along, shining in the sun.
1: We had mountains on the Missouri shore and heavy timber on the Illinois side, and the channel was down the Missouri shore at that place. So we weren't afraid of anybody running across us. We laid there all day and watched the rafts and steamboats spin down the Missouri shore and upbound steamboats fight the big river in the middle
2: sam cherished the summers he spent back at his uncle john's farm in florida missouri where he looked up to uncle daniel an affectionate friend and ally and one of uncle john's slaves uncle daniel would later provide the inspiration and model for the character jim the runaway slave and friend of huckleberry finn
1: sometimes we had the whole river all to ourselves for the longest time yonder was the banks and the islands across the water and. Maybe a spark, which was a candle in the window. And sometimes on the water, you could see a spark or two on a raft or a scow, you know, and maybe you could hear a fiddle or a song coming over from one of them rafts. It's lovely to live on a raft. We had the sky up there, all speckled with stars, and we used to lay on our backs and look up at them and discuss about whether they was made or only just happened. Jim, he allowed they was made, but I allowed they happened. I judged it would have took too long to make so many. Jim said the moon could have laid them. Well, that looked kind of reasonable, so I didn't say nothing against it, because I've seen a frog lay most as many. So, of course, it could be done. We used to watch the stars that fell, too, and see them streak down. Jim allowed they'd got spoiled and was hove out of the nest. Once or twice of a night, we could see a steamboat slipping along in the dark, and now and then she would belch a whole world of sparks up out of her chimneys, and they would rain down in the river and look awful pretty. Then she'd turn a corner and her lights would wink out and her powwow shut off and leave the river still again. And by and by her waves would get to us a long time after she was gone and juggle the raft a bit, and after that you wouldn't hear nothing, for you couldn't tell how long, except maybe frogs or something.
2: On the farm... Uncle Daniel thrilled the children with stories, and Sam vividly recalled the largesse of farm life.
3: It was a heavenly place for a boy, that farm of my Uncle John's. The house was a double log one with a spacious floor connecting it with the kitchen. In the summer, the table was set in the middle of that shady and breezy floor and the sumptuous meals, well, it makes me cry to think of them. Fried chicken. Roast pig, wild and tame turkeys, ducks, and geese, venison just killed, squirrels, rabbits, pheasants, partridges, prairie chickens, biscuits, hot batter cakes, hot buckwheat cakes, hot wheat bread, hot rolls, hot corn pone, fresh corn boiled on the ear succotash butter beans string beans tomatoes peas irish potatoes sweet potatoes buttermilk sweet milk clabber watermelons muskmelons cantaloupes all fresh from the garden apple pie peach pie pumpkin pie apple dumplings peach cobbler i can't remember the rest
0: you're listening to mark twain words and music on burlington county bluegrass rcbc radio
5: Rooster used to chase the hens, he just kept getting thinner, till he run his self to death
2: the Mississippi River, often stopping in Hannibal to load or unload passengers and cargo, a puff of black smoke announced their arrival long before the boats were visible.
1: The steamboat landed, and in about two minutes up comes a crowd a-whooping and a-yelling and laughing and carrying on.
2: Young Sam Clemens watched and yearned for journeys on that river. He watched as every type of freight was loaded and unloaded there in Hannibal. Lumber, hemp, even slaves. When Sam was 11, his father died from pneumonia, and Sam had to leave school and work as a printer's apprentice, provide some financial help for his mother and his brothers and sister. He earned his keep there in Hannibal, setting type from the age of 12 to 17 but he always kept an eye on that river. He left Hannibal at 17, set type in St. Louis, to earn Steamboat Passage to New York City, and set himself in motion. When I was a boy, there was but one permanent
3: ambition among my comrades in our village on the west bank of the Mississippi River, and that was to be a steamboatman. We had transient ambitions of other sorts. But they were only transient. When a circus came and went, it left us all burning to become clowns. The first Negro minstrel show that came to our section left us all suffering to try that kind of life. Now and then we had a hope that if we lived and were good, God would permit us to be pirates. These ambitions faded out each in its turn. But the ambition to be a steamboatman always remained. A pilot in those days was the only unfettered and entirely independent human being that lived in the Earth.
1: The night got gray and rather thick, which is the next meanest thing to fall. You can't tell the shape of the river, and you can't see no distance. It got to be very late and still, and then along comes a steamboat up the river. We lit the lantern and judged she would see it. Upstream boats didn't generally come close to us, They go out and follow the bars and hunt for easy water under the reefs, but nights like this, they bull right up the channel against the whole river. We could hear her pounding along, but we didn't see her good till she was close. She aimed right for us. Often they do that and try to see how close they can come without touching. Sometimes the wheel bites off a sweep, and then the pilot sticks his head out and laughs and thinks he's mighty smart. Well, here she comes. We said she was gonna try and shave us, but she didn't seem to be shearing off a bit. She was a big one, and she was coming in a hurry too, looking like a black cloud with rows of glowworms around it. But all of a sudden, she bulged out big and scary with a long row of wide-open furnace doors shining like red-hot teeth, and her monstrous bows and guards hanging right over us. There was a yell at us and a jingling of bells to stop the engines, a powwow of a cussing, a whistling of steam. And as Jim went overboard on one side and I on the other, she comes smashing straight through the raft. Piloting
3: on the Mississippi River was not work to me. It was play, delightful play, vigorous play, adventurous play, and I loved it. When I find a well-drawn character in fiction or biography, I generally take a warm personal interest in him for the reason that I have known him before. Met him on the river.
6: Ride Mississippi River, roll down to the sea. Ride Mississippi River, Mississippi River.
7: way down to new orleans riverboat engine grunting and a grinding prettiest side i've ever seen run
6: mississippi river roll down to the sea run mississippi river mississippi river you're a part of me Sitting
7: on in the water, jabbering with Tuck, what you want to be. You be the pirate, I'll be the pilot, Mississippi
6: River is calling me. Run, Mississippi River, roll down to the sea. Run, Mississippi River, Mississippi River, you're a part of.
7: a steamboat, shove from the land, make for the sea, spying Jackson's Island out in the distance, Mississippi River, you're a part of me,
6: roll Mississippi River, roll down to the sea, Run Mississippi River, Mississippi River, you're a part
7: of me, nothing like steam Mississippi River, it was always you.
8: Ride
6: Mississippi River, roll down to the sea. Ride Mississippi River, Mississippi River.
2: did become a steamboat pilot, got his license in 1859. His run took him back and forth between New Orleans and St. Louis.
1: Every night we'd pass towns. Some of them away up on the Black Hillsides, nothing but just a shiny bed of lights. Not a house could you see. The fifth night we passed St. Louis, and it was like the whole world lit up. In St. Petersburg, they used to say there was 20 or 30,000 people in St. Louis, but I never believed it until I see that wonderful spread of lights at 2 o'clock that still night.
2: But when the Civil War broke out in 1861, his permanent ambition came to an end. He joined his brother on a stagecoach journey to the Nevada Territory, where they would live for the next several years in the company of gold miners, silver miners, coyotes, cowboys, saloon keepers, antelope, politicians, prairie dogs, and various colorful characters. And this is where Sam Clemens would officially become Mark Twain, writing for the Virginia City Territorial Enterprise. Sam got a glimpse of a Pony Express rider, He shared a cup of coffee with the legendary gunslinger, Slade. He bought himself a genuine Mexican plug and speculated on the Comstock load. Although he distinguished himself as a storyteller and immortalized many a Western rapscallion, he never did master that genuine Mexican plug. In the afternoon, I brought the creature into the plaza and certain citizens held him by the head
3: and others by the tail while I mounted him. As soon as they let go, he placed all his feet in a bunch together, lowered his back and then suddenly arched it upward and shot me straight into the air a matter of three or four feet. I heard a stranger say, oh, don't he buck though. While I was up, somebody struck the horse, a sounding thwack with a leathern strap. And when I arrived again, the genuine Mexican plug was not there. California youth chased him up and caught him and asked if he might have a ride. He mounted the genuine, got lifted into the air once, but set his spurs home as he descended and the horse darted away like a telegram. He soared over three fences like a bird and disappeared down the road toward Washoe Valley.
8: Was a good hand breaking horse, pure poison with the rope. He lives for strong black coffee and the rolling of his smokes. He throws a leg up on old Ranger, sticks around into his hide. Saddled there in his easy chair, through his memory he still rides. While shaking out a good loop, he fixes ashes on the floor. He's a branded for Sam Williams, who he loved working for. In the air, he draws a picture with a cigarette in his hand. As his fingers make the last stroke, in the smoke I see the brand. Out to the barn and hollers me out there. He points up to his saddle in that dusty hideaway. He says he'd like to give it to me, but he might need it someday. Whoopie! Time. Silver on his saddle And no
0: listening to Mark Twain words and music on Burlington County bluegrass RCBC radio
2: Sam Clemens loved to travel after leaving Hannibal when he was in his teens his curiosity about the world spurred him to visit new places
1: it was a grand adventure and mysterious and so it hit him where he lived
2: From Nevada, he went to San Francisco and then visited Hawaii, or the Sandwich Islands, as it was called back then. When he headed east, he wanted to see more of the world. He booked passage on the steamer the Quaker City for a five-month excursion to Europe and the Holy Land. He had contracted with the San Francisco Alta newspaper to send letters back describing his tour and the voyage and all the places he would visit. But when they docked in Greece, The passengers learned that they were to be quarantined and were forbidden to leave the ship. The itinerant journalist chafed at the news. It was the bitterest disappointment we had yet
3: experienced to lie a whole day inside of the Acropolis and yet be obliged to go away without visiting Athens. Disappointment was hardly a strong enough word to describe the circumstances. At 11 o'clock at night, when most of the ship's company were abed, four of us stole softly ashore in a small boat, a clouded moon favoring the Enterprise. Seeing no road, we took a tall hill to the left of the distant Acropolis for a mark and steered straight for it, over all obstructions. The full moon was riding high in the cloudless heavens now, We sauntered carelessly and unthinkingly to the edge of the lofty battlements of the citadel and looked down, a vision, and such a vision. Athens by Moonlight.
9: Mama, I won't drink i won't gamble no matter where i go i'll keep this bell that steamboat whistle's calling saying boy you're born to ramble gonna carry me in my dreams out of town new york to cincinnati philadelphia to saint Louis, a new town only whets my appetite so when i run out of river i'll sail in the ocean blue till my wandering i see athens by moon the curve Stage, reflected in the countless words I write Every day's a brand new story Every mile, another page Every port, another chapter of mine the constant current always moving on safe for Sa- Sa-
10: Sa-
9: water who knows someday it might just bring me home yeah who knows someday
2: After the 164-day voyage on the Quaker City, Sam Clemens would reconnect with a friend he'd met on that journey, Charlie Langdon. Sam had seen a photo of Langdon's sister, Olivia, in Langdon's stateroom on the boat. And within a year, he contrived to meet this beautiful, educated, genteel eastern woman who was 10 years younger and every bit his intellectual match. He went so far as to fake a head injury so that he could prolong a visit at the Langdons' home and thus began an enduring love affair.
3: I saw her first in the form of an ivory miniature in her brother Charlie's stateroom in the Bay of Smyrna in the summer of 1867 when she was in her 22nd year. I saw her in the flesh for the first time in New York in the following December. She was slender and beautiful and girlish, and she was both girl and woman. She remained both girl and woman to the last day of her life.
2: Olivia's father gave permission for the engagement, despite Sam Clement's unpolished background and his lack of references. And in a letter to Livy, Sam wrote passionately of their impending union. It makes of two fractional lives a whole. It gives to two purposeless
3: lives a work and doubles the strength of each whereby to perform it. It gives to two questioning natures a reason for living and something to live for. It will give a new gladness to the sunshine, a new fragrance to the flowers, a new beauty to the earth, a new mystery to life. And Livy, it will give a new revelation to love, a new depth to sorrow, a new impulse to worship. In that day, the scales will fall from our eyes, and we shall look upon a new world, speed it.
11: The
2: February 2nd, 1870. They had four children, a son, Langdon, who died of diphtheria at 19 months, followed by three daughters, Susie, Clara, and Jean. They built a mansion in Hartford, Connecticut for a storybook existence, as Mark Twain's literary star continued to soar. Livy's nickname for her husband was Youth because he had the heart and soul of a boy and his nickname for her was Gravity because she did try to keep his feet on the ground. They were a close and loving family, and their happiness was almost dreamlike. When Susie
3: was 13 and was a slender little maid with plaited tails of copper-tinged brown hair down her back and was perhaps the busiest bee in the household hive, She secretly, and of her own motion and out of love, added another task to her labors, the writing of a biography of me. She did this work in her bedroom at night and kept her record hidden. After a little, the mother discovered it and filched it and let me see it. Then told Susie what she had done and how pleased I was and how proud. I remember that time with a deep pleasure. I had had compliments before, but none that touched me like this.
12: We are a very happy family. We consist of Papa, Mama, Jean, Claire, and me. It is Papa I am writing about, and I shall have no trouble in not knowing what to say about him, as he is a very striking character. Papa's appearance has been described many times, but very incorrectly. He has beautiful gray hair, not any too thick or any too long, but just right. A Roman nose, which greatly improves the beauty of his features kind blue eyes and a small mustache. He has a wonderfully shaped head and profile. He has a very good figure. In short, he has an extraordinarily fine looking man. All his features are perfect, except that he hasn't extraordinary teeth. His complexion is very fair and he doesn't wear a beard. He is a very good man and a very funny one. He has got a temper, but we all of us have in this family. He is the loveliest man I ever saw or ever hoped to see, and oh, so absent-minded. He does tell perfectly delightful stories. Clara and I used to sit on each arm of his chair and listen while he told us stories about the pictures on the wall.
3: I remember the storytelling days vividly. They were a difficult and exacting audience, those little creatures. As a romancer to the children, I had a hard time even from the beginning. If they brought me a picture in a magazine and required me to build a story to it, they would cover the rest of the page with their pudgy hands to keep me from stealing an idea from it. The stories had to be absolutely original and fresh. Sometimes the children furnished me simply a character or two, or a dozen, and required me to start out at once on that slim basis and deliver those characters up to a vigorous and entertaining life of crime. If they heard of a new trait, or an unfamiliar animal, or anything like that, I was pretty sure to have to deal with those things in the next romance. Once Clara required me to build a sudden tale out of a plumber and a bowgun stricter, and I had to do it. She didn't know what a boa constrictor was until he developed in the tale. Then she was better satisfied with it than ever.
13: Beautiful dreamer, wake unto me. Starlight and dewdrops are waiting for thee. Sounds of the rude world heard in the day. Lulled by the moonlight Have all passed away Beautiful dreamer Queen of my song List while I woo thee With soft melody Gone are the cares Of life's busy throng Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me Beautiful dreamer, out on the sea Mermaids are chanting the wild laurel leaf Over the streamlet, vapors are born Waiting to fade at the bright coming morn Beautiful dreamer, beam on my heart E'en as the morn on the streamlet and sea Then will our clouds of sorrow depart Beautiful dreamer awaken to me. Beautiful dreamer, awaken to me.
2: These family years brought profound joy and comfort. His books were best sellers around the world. Sam Clemens, now widely known as Mark Twain, was beloved by presidents and the populace alike. Thomas Edison said, an average American loves his family if he has any love left over for some other person, he generally selects Mark Twain. Mark Twain was very prolific, and during summers at Quarry Farm in Elmira, New York, and back home in Hartford, he wrote such masterpieces as Roughing It, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, The Prince and the Pauper, Life on the Mississippi, and a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Mark Twain said, high and fine literature is wine, and mine is only water, but everybody likes water. Of course, his greatest work of all was written during this period, his main character based on a neighbor boy back in Hannibal, Missouri.
3: In Huckleberry Finn, I've drawn Tom Blankenship exactly as he was. He was ignorant, unwashed, insufficiently fed, but he had as good a heart as ever any boy had. His liberties were totally unrestricted. He was the only really independent person, boy or man in the community, and by consequence, he was tranquilly and continuously happy and envied by the rest of us. And as his society was forbidden us by our parents, the prohibition trebled and quadrupled its value. And therefore, we sought and got more of his society than any other boys.
1: We went tiptoeing along a path amongst the trees back towards the end of the widow's garden, stooping down so as the branches wouldn't scrape our heads. When we was passing by the kitchen, I fell over a root and made a noise. We scrouched down and laid still. Tom, he made a sign to me, kind of a little noise with his mouth, and we went creeping away on our hands and knees. We cut along the path. Around the garden fence, and by and by fetched up on the steep top of the hill, the other side of the house.
14: Well, I sit here alone. About midnight, so darn lonesome, not a soul in sight. And paps out drinking in Hannibal Town, so it's through the window and I shimmy down. There's only so much sleep a boy can stand when the witch and hours. So close at hand, across the alley and over the fence, the night air crackling with dark suspense. Beneath the window, against the wall, I conjure up my best cat call. When Tom crawls out the window. His feet hit the ground Like two tomcats We'll make the rounds and It's down to the river The old graveyard There's no better living The living heart And high on the midnight air A boy can be free Just the moon I'm Sawyer and me So we hit the back streets Before it gets light. This old town's full of ghosts And gamblers tonight And on down to Bear Creek For moonlight dip Cigars and whiskey the banks will sit we might even steal a raft in the river sway we slip off to Orleans before the break of day and it's down to the river or the old graveyard there's no better living than living hard and Yes, the moonlight, Tom Sawyer and me. Oh, Tom's got his head and his heart Cause his mind's wrapped around that little Thatcher girl. So I'll do my best to help him figure it out. Ain't a whole lot of future in what he's thinking about. Coming over the top of Cardiff Hill. It's a boy's paradise heaven's windowsill. An old rooster is crowing, and time's gotta go. He don't want his poor, ain't Polly to know. Somewhere neath the dark sky, I lay my head with just a blanket of stars to cover my bed. And I'll drift off in boyhood dreams, I close my eyes. Of adventures and mysteries awaiting tomorrow night. Saw your well, lie here alone. It's about daylight, so darn lonesome. Not a soul inside